Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I cannot wait to share another amazing story with you today. But before I do, I would love to give a quick shout out to username Great and Easy to Use. They said a must listen for all mamas. I love this podcast because it connects women from so many various platforms and stages of life with others who may live completely different lives. And yet the topics discussed gives us the common ground to understand and encourage each other. I love the discussion of often taboo subjects, which makes you feel less alone in this journey of parenthood. My new favorite podcast, as I now feel like I have a new friend I'm chatting with so often. Thank you for championing mums everywhere. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that beautiful review, hun. I so appreciate it and I love your kind words around what I intend on doing in this space and I'm so glad that it's resonated with you. There's a lot of topics that we touch on that just don't get spoken about enough. So it's really important to bring these types of things to light. Now, if you would like to do the same, please jump on over to the iTunes podcast app and leave me a rating and a review so you can let other users know what they're in for. And while you're there, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you do not miss a thing. Now, speaking of taboo subjects, today's guest does touch on something that is a little bit taboo and I would like to put in a trigger warning. This episode does contain information on suicide. Due to some personal restrictions, we are not delving too much into this topic and the content around this space is quite limited. However, I wanted to give you a heads up because if it is a sensitive topic for yourself or it will cause a trigger for you, you may wish to sit this one out. For the rest of us, There is a lot of information in this episode that we did have to exclude, again, for legal and private reasons, but I think that you'll find value in the story regardless, and particularly the message. So, let's get started. Today's mama has a life story that almost feels like it's been written for a movie, with lots of ups and downs, trials and tribulations, but also a very happy ending. Welcome to the lovely Jess Cernak. Oh, thank How you. are you? I'm so good and I'm so grateful to be here today. I'm so happy to have you here and it's even more delightful that we've got rain happening in the background because for anybody living in Australia you would know just how desperately we need this. Now, thank you so much for joining me. I want to talk about your story because it is quite a story. It's almost unbelievable because there's so much that's happened to you. But before we delve into all of that, I want to go right back to the start because at the moment you're married, you've got five children, a complete change of career, and it 
pretty much all started back when you were about to head off to Africa. So why don't you tell me a bit about that? Oh, goodness. It seems like yesterday, but it also seems like a really long time ago. So in 2008, I had just finished law school. I did a double degree in law and international business, and I was studying full-time. So after you finish law school, you have to do practical legal training. Yep. And so I was studying that full-time, and I got a, my first job as a criminal lawyer. And back then, it was um, an interesting time to be a criminal lawyer because the bikey gangs were huge on the Gold Coast. So it was, oh, yeah, underbelly style. Oh my goodness, it was insightful. Love that. Um, off to jail visits as a what twenty-four-year-old, fresh new face, um, on my own. So it was scary, but it was also really, um, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after I, I was working at the firm for about six months. And then I'd had a dream ever since I was a little girl that I wanted to go volunteering uh, with kids in Africa. So I decided to sell my car, pack up and head over to Africa for three months. And um, I'd organised it through a volunteering organisation mm-hmm. uh, so that I'd make sure that I was really super safe. Um, and then, yeah, I three days in transit ventured over to Africa and um, began my volunteering experience and met the most incredible people from all around the world. They were just, they were phenomenal. And um, very long story short, um, I ended up um, falling head over heels for a Maasai warrior of all people, uh, hadn't intended (laughs) on that one, Um, but he was just... um, such an honest, um, strong, loving, nurturing man. Um, and we just, every night, because there's, you know, there's no television and there's really not that much to do over there. Yeah. After we'd had dinner, um, he worked on the front gate. So he worked from 6 p.m. at night till 6 in the morning with his ginormous, you know, machete. And he would guard the front gate of the big Mazungu house, which Mazungu means white person house. Um, so that no intruders would come in because obviously white people generally have money. Um, and so, yeah, he was at the front gate and every night I'd go out there, race out after, after dinner and, and go and have a chat to him and just his stories and his life was just so different to mine and I just fell completely head over heels for oh this my man. God. I feel like this is a Danielle Steele novel. <laughs> like I'm getting very emotionally invested already. I love it. Yes, it was um, a huge moment in my life, I guess, because um, after my placement finished, um, he lost his job. Right. And so I had already planned to go down to Zanzibar, which is a tropical island off of Tanzania, Um, where they used to ship a lot of the slaves from. So it's very enchanting and very... um, It's where the sultans used to live. And it's just... It is stunning. If you can Google Zanzibar, you'll see, like, the beaches are just pristine. And so um, his name was Zach. And so Zach and I decided um, that um, he would come with me to Zanzibar. And this is totally not me. You've got to remember, I was, like, a straight lawyer type. Yep, yep. Um, but I just decided I needed to follow my heart. Yeah. And so we ventured to Zanzibar and had a holiday together for a couple of weeks and it was just such a beautiful experience. And then um, vowed to sort of stay in touch. Um, and then I guess my life 
was turned completely upside down. Um, I got back to Australia in October of 2008 mm-hmm. and I got a job um, working at the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions in the Criminal Law Section. And then January 18th, um, I had two police officers knock on my front door and very, very sadly um, told me that they had found my mum because my sister and I, um, we'd filed a missing persons report on her three days before because we couldn't get a hold of her. And yeah, they told me, asked me who I was and and said, you know, we're really sorry, but we found your mother and um, she's deceased. And that was all they could tell me. And so it was just my whole life at that one moment with that one sentence completely came crashing down. Had you, so you'd been to Africa, Mm. you'd come home. Yeah. Had you had much contact with your mum in the interim? Yeah, yeah, we'd had, we'd always had a great relationship. She was a beautiful woman, um, really courageous, really strong. She probably had one of the most horrific lives that I've ever read about, heard about. Um, She grew up in the States in the deep south um, and had a really traumatic childhood. Um, So she always sort of struggled with her mental health, but as a person, my friends knew her as the person to go and talk to if they had a problem. Mm. She was the first person that you'd ring up and have a cry to and she'd make it all better, whether it was, you know, one of her kids or whether it was one of my friends or my sister's friends or my brother's friends. And she was just such a a warm soul. And so when when I found out that she died, it wasn't just that I lost my mum, it was like I lost my soul sister. Yeah. Like that piece, like a piece of me was gone, completely gone. And I couldn't, for the life of me, understand how the person who birthed me and brought me into this world could leave and I was still here. Yeah. You know, that connection Absolutely. was severed. Yeah. So, so you didn't know at this point how she'd passed away. No. What happened from there? How did you actually find out the full story? Well, the next morning, uh, my sister received a phone call from a detective and they just, um, they were, she was driving and so they were talking to her and then all of a sudden she just ripped the headphones out of her ears and just threw them across the car. We were driving to my dad's house and she was not just crying but wailing. Like mm-hmm. it was the most heart-wrenching screams and so I quickly grabbed the phone and I spoke to the detective and he basically just told me look we don't know exactly what's happened Um, this is what we do know she was found on a houseboat and she was deceased and um, at this stage we suspect um, that she's ingested some tablets and we think that she might have committed suicide we can't tell you how she got there why she was there we, we can't tell you any of that And then we started seeing things on the news, like flash up on the TV and in the newspapers and, you know, headlines like Houseboat of Horror. And it was just like my sister and I, we just, we had no idea how to to deal with this. And then we were sort of expected to plan a funeral. And I was 24 and my sister was 20. My brother was 23, but he was in Canada with his girlfriend. And then my youngest brother was 18. And we were just like, we were in shock. Over the days that followed, we sort of found out what had happened. Um, And I won't delve into that too much here because it is quite... Of course. Yeah, controversial. But it is in my book um, and it goes into quite a lot of detail in in my book. 
but safe to say that there was another person involved and so they did suspect murder um, but we didn't we found out gosh I think it was that, that happened in January and we found out in September for sure that the actual cause of death was um, she'd ingested the tablets and obviously committed suicide but so that's a nine month period yeah. of waiting just limbo and and conversations with no real clarity no how did you get through that it was really hard for me because at the time I was working at DPP and I was sifting through autopsy photos every day and cataloging things and and so I knew the reality of it and I had to go and view the body I had to go I wanted to go say goodbye I wanted to know that it was real and so I went to the funeral home and said goodbye and I needed to know that she knew I loved her and I'm so freaked out by dead bodies that she would have been in she was in that room I really felt strongly that she was in that room and she watched me kiss her on the forehead and just say goodbye it was just that compassion and that love and so yeah that was um that was my week from hell (laughs) yeah it was horrendous so you've literally come from you know a romance novel yes to coming home being in this amazing headspace yeah to finding out that your mum's passed away yep. not knowing what happened in those nine months because you're mm. you're working you're trying to get answers yep. what happened with Zach during this period what happened with your life because I feel like that would be you then just surrendering to this whole process well what ended up happening was I did lose my job um it just I couldn't function it got yeah. to a point where I and it, this is literally like I know it sounds like it's out of a movie but I went to the went to the bathrooms and I just fell against the white tiles and I just slid down the white tiles and I just that was it. Mm. I just I couldn't function normally anymore. I yeah. was just so destroyed and so distraught. And so I decided that it was time I needed to give myself this time to heal, especially because of what I was doing. It wasn't like I was going to a happy job where I was Of course. You know. Yeah. How incredibly mentally draining on the best of days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know, dealing with some horrible crimes. Yeah. Um, and so during this time, so I decided that was it. I couldn't do it anymore. I needed to just take a step back and look after me first. And so during this time I was still in contact with Zach. And he was such a huge support for me back then. Mm. Um, very hard to contact somebody in Africa. Of course. Uh, the reception yeah. is horrendous. But also to have that conversation over the phone, yep. you know, that's that's such yep. a personal and raw yep. discussion that, yep. yeah, face-to-face yep. is what you would prefer, but obviously not an option. No. And, and the other thing was, was culturally, death means something very different to them. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So it was, it was hard to... For him to truly understand and for him to understand how I was feeling. And then I decided that I just, um, I got a little bit of money from my mum's life insurance and Mm -hmm. it was only a little bit. So I decided I'm just going to go back to Africa to my happy place and I'm just going to heal. And so I went back for about six weeks. We rented a house over there um, and there was a balcony on the house just completely overlooking Mount Kilimanjaro, the snow-capped Mount Kilimanjaro and I basically just spent you know six weeks sitting up on that balcony journaling resting it was just a real time for healing yeah yeah and then um I came home and it was my sister's 21st and I decided that um I wanted to get Zach 
over to Australia and really give a good crack at this relationship because mm-hmm. I just felt that like our hearts were in the right place. You know, there's no over there. There's no real emphasis on you. You can't hide behind your clothes and you can't hide behind your money. You know, people are just taken for who they are, and I yeah. felt like he just really loved and accepted me. But um, so I went through the whole visa process, which was a nightmare. Um, and he came out to Australia in July of that year. And we just, we just tried, you know, we started our lives together. We rented mm-hmm. a house and, and um, you know, it was really hard on my family because um, a couple of them were not, how do I put it, um, a little bit racist, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was sort of hard to, for them to adjust. Um, but they, they got there in the end. Yeah. Um, and then Zach decided in October he just he didn't like our way of life it was too hard for him oh that would have that would have yeah. been a massive adjustment yeah though in that yeah, sense huge, yeah huge even going on an escalator at the at the shops he didn't know how it worked how to get on it um another time I put him on the treadmill I thought he would know how to stop it and I came back after an hour oh, <laughs> still on there no. I was so, so bad Yes, things like that and, and the other things like um, I woke up one morning and I couldn't find him and I was stressing out because, he, you know, he didn't know anybody really yeah. and I was looking everywhere for him and I found him lying on the grass outside and I was, said to him, you know, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I felt really sick so this is, this is my comfort. This is how I grew up. I, you know, I slept every night out with the cows on the grass and so when I feel sick or something, this is, this is the way that I feel better. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I imagine too, though, you know, your family's still, you've got this in the background with everything that's Mm. happened with your mum. Then he's coming in trying to adjust to way of life but also watching you deal with that. Mm. I imagine that would put a lot of pressure on your relationship as well. Yeah, and the grieving process, you know, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And it was, there was a lot of things that happened. This is 2009 and I call it my year from hell um, because in July of that year um, we also lost a childhood friend of mine um, to suicide and he was only 20 and so that was hard really hard to, to take as well and in November October of that year Zach decided he wanted to go home and that was mm. fine mm. but then um, in November I don't know what made me do it but I took a pregnancy test and I was completely completely shocked when it came back positive because we were using two forms of contraception and here I was grieving my own mother and <laughs> about to become a mother myself. So was he? had he left at this point or he was yes. still? Okay, so he's gone back to Africa. Yep. Where did you two leave things? We decided to end it. Wow. Yeah, we decided that, um, you know, given that I was grieving, um, given that he didn't want to live in Australia and I couldn't live in Africa, um, that... We, we loved each other, don't get me wrong, but we, we loved each other enough to let each other go. Yeah. 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 This is exactly why I mentioned before that it's almost, yeah. it's almost like it's come from a movie script because yeah. it just feels like you've had one thing after another. What was your reaction when you took the test? Obviously, you were shocked, but you mentioned to me off air that kids were never really on the agenda for you. So no. how did you absorb that? My... 
desire was to be a really great human rights lawyer. That's what I wanted. Um, and then when I saw these two little lines come up on this pregnancy test, I screamed out to my sister and I said, you know, I think this, this thing is broken. <laughs> and she's like, oh, boy. Uh, no, it's not broken. You're having a baby. Um, and for me, I just didn't know what to think. Mm. I was, I just, I'd never really thought about being a mum. Mm. And it wasn't something that I really wanted. And so, you know, I did, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I thought about all my options. Yep. Um, and I'm not an angel and I just, I thought about, you know, what, can I really bring a child into the world when I am such a mess? That's a natural reaction yeah. though. You know, if you're, if you're not planning on a child mm. and you've just separated from that yep. child's father, any normal human mm. would consider that as an option. You know, it does even if you're just entertaining the thought. So did you tell him? Oh my goodness. That was so difficult. So I'm on the phone and I swear my neighbours probably thought I was trying to tell about 40 guys in Brisbane that I was pregnant <laughs> because the phone kept cutting out because it's Africa and there's oh, no reception and he was obviously back in the village with his family. And I'm on the phone, I'm like, I'm, I'm pregnant. And it just, he's like, what? What are you talking about? I can't hear you. And so it probably took literally like 40 times of me trying to ring him to tell him that you know he was going to be a dad and what was his reaction he basically just said to me i knew god would bring us back together wow yeah okay yeah yep. which wasn't the reaction i i thought he was going to come up with but yeah it was so fast forward what ended up happening during your pregnancy and you know did you reconnect was he there for it well, we decided that we wanted to give this a chance because obviously there was a child involved and we wanted to stay together and wanted him to have a family. Um, so Josh was born in August of 2010 mm -hmm. um, via a very horrendous birthing experience, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, 42 hours, that kid. Uh, wow. <laughs> yes. That's a real treat for you. Oh, yes. Um, considering I didn't want to <laughs> have any kids. Yeah. Um, Zach wasn't there, obviously. It was too hard um, to try and get another visa because we didn't fulfil the requirements of the first one. Mm -hmm. um, but we tried again. I tried again. And Zach came out back to Australia and met his son for the first time on Christmas Day of 2010. Wow. Yeah. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment for the two of them. Sadly, what happened was that I found out um, Zach and I decided to be faithful to one another. Um, but the Maasai have, you know, generally, like Zach's dad has five wives uh, so they're polygamous and he, he left his Facebook open on my phone and I opened it up and there were all these emails from other women and I guess it just wasn't what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. I had these expectations of us being a really beautiful family and, um, you know, just trying to make it work and here he was on the other side of the world doing things behind my back and I just felt betrayed yeah and i yeah right, i had sacrificed my body and you yeah. know everything for this kid for his kid and so it just left me feeling really discarded we ended it mm -hmm. um you'll if you read the book there was a lot more to the story but i decided that i couldn't i couldn't live with someone like that i mm -hmm. couldn't yes i wanted the dream for josh 
but I couldn't sacrifice me for his for for, for his dream. One hundred percent, and I think majority of parents don't go in mm. to parenthood thinking that they're going to do it alone. Mm. But you know, we're in a day and age now where there there is no longer a definition. I don't think there's no perfect family anymore because everybody's got their own story, and it's also different. And I think as long as you've got a happy child, then that's the main thing. Does Josh still see his dad? No. Or no contact at all? No. We yeah. tried it when Josh was four. Okay. Um, and I sort of made it very clear, if we're going to have a Skype session, you need to show up at least once a month. Yeah. And he um, did the one Skype session and it really hurt Zach mm. and it really upset him. And so he just said no and we haven't heard from him since. Um, but Josh doesn't really see him as his dad he calls him daddy zach um and we sort of have explained to josh um that a dad is really someone who's there for you and supports you and is on your team and your greatest cheerleader and even though he's his biological dad his real dad and we we say that your real dad um is that the dad that's that's there every day the dad that's you know cheering you on and loving Mm -hmm. you unconditionally and providing for you yeah. yeah. And how lucky is he to, you know, now have that? Yeah. That's an amazing thing for a child. Mm. So speaking of which, you do have a beautiful husband. I do. I'm and, very lucky. And that was a bit of a journey in itself. When did you connect with him? So Alex and I first met in 2008. So right before I'd started at the law firm, right before I was going to Africa and he was 18 I was 24, so you a bit of a cougar. Yes, a <laughs> um, And he was just, for some reason, he was just smitten. And I was not. He was, like, he. I always loved him as a soul, as a person, because he was so genuine and so sweet and, and very masculine. Um, you know, he had a country background and um, very, I like a man-man. Um, and he was very much that. Um, but, you know, I had other things going on. I was off to, you know, start at the law firm and I was off to Africa to have my exciting holiday. And, and so we, um, I was his first kiss on one drunken night out in service paradise, which I'm oh, not proud of. Bless. Yes. Um, but I sort of just told him I wasn't interested. And that was that. And he went on and sort of, you know, had his own life and I went on and had my own life and then... Um, we reconnected through my sister in 2012 at the very beginning of that year and by that stage Josh was about 18 months old Mm -hmm. and yeah it was just amazing it was really special it was like coming home there's no other way to explain it Yeah, yeah that's lovely yeah and so we just um from there it was just we hit it off and we moved in together So, um, yeah, we've got two beautiful children together now, Mm -hmm. um, Jai and Indy. And then when Indy was eight weeks old, we also got blessed with um, two beautiful little girls um, that we're foster carers for. And so we've nearly had them for three years. So my family quickly went from one to two to three to five. (laughs) Yeah. And from somebody who didn't want children. Exactly. I mean, motherhood's a transition in itself, but wow, way mm. to go, <laughs> way to just fast forward on that. I now, know. there is obviously 
that's that's another story in itself. Your yep. your two children that you're foster care yep. for. Obviously, that was a huge transition for you from going at such a fast pace. Mm. How did you adapt to motherhood of five? Going from yeah yeah well like two boys to two boys and three girls. It was a huge transition. Little things. It's the car. That you know, there's five kids. Mm. Um, it's the the schooling. It's the um, you know, even making the meals jumped from, you know, it went to double pretty mm. much. And then I'm also breastfeeding. She wouldn't take a bottle, unfortunately. So Alex couldn't Oh, help. my daughter was the same. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it so much harder. Yeah. And look, I won't delve too much into, you know, how the extra two beautiful girls came about. We've talked about that off air and that's a bit of a um, something we need to be cautious of. And I know you do touch on parts of it in your book, but we'll, we'll leave that there. But moving in that headspace, not only the physical stuff, did you find that you were able to adjust emotionally? I will be completely honest with you. I struggled big time. Yeah. Big time. I got to a point where... Um, I was literally just crying and crying every night, every night. And I felt so guilty because here I was. I had this amazing husband that just adored me. I had five beautiful children um, and I just felt so lost, so frustrated, so bored, so confused. And I felt like a piece of me had died. Mm. I felt like I'd just lost who I was. I felt like I had a choice. I could either leave or I could stay, but something had to change. Mm. And so I knew exactly what it was like for my mum to leave. You know, she, she did leave me. She committed suicide. Um, and I've done a lot of healing work around that and worked through a lot of it. But the bottom line was she left. She felt that she didn't have any more purpose in her life. Did you ever have a conversation with her about that and motherhood? I did. We did. We, we had a very open relationship and she always sort of said to me that she really struggled with life and, you know, we did talk about her death and about what kind of, you know, things she would like at her funeral and things like that. And Yeah, wow. So she had indicated that suicide is something that she had considered in the past. It. it was there from the very beginning like it's one of my earliest memories of us talking about that and she had tried to commit suicide a couple of times before and so I was kind of a little bit immune to it Mm. um but I knew I didn't know this at the time but now I do 11 years later um and a lot of you know my own personal work was that my mum devoted her entire existence to her four kids Mm. there was nothing else for her she didn't find joy in anything else. She didn't do things for her. And I think this is a really important message for every single mum, whether you've got one or you've got two or you've got five, is that you have to firstly invest in yourself. You have to. Mm. Because if you're not happy, if you're completely miserable, the flow-on effect from that for your family is huge. Mm. Absolutely. And of course, it's it's bound to have an impact on your own motherhood journey, having to deal with that from your own mother. So here I was, I was miserable. I was just not enjoying motherhood. I didn't take any enjoyment out of them. And it was because I had nothing left for me, mm. nothing. 
it was all for them. I felt like a slave. I felt like all I did was wipe butts and, you know, occasionally watch Netflix. Um, and it was just so boring. Do you think because you went at such a fast pace from, you know, you had your first child, which in itself was a shock, mm. to then having five children, mm. do you think it would have been any different if it was having the one and then having the two, having the three? Or do you think it's just a reflection of how crazy the transition is to motherhood? I think it's just generally motherhood. I think I had the same feelings with Josh, my first child. Mm. You know, but by the time I got to my fifth child, it was just like I had this epiphany that if I didn't make these changes then I wasn't going to be here like it was that dire for me Mm. it was that scary and I was so scared of leaving them that I had to do something well of course you've experienced it firsthand and you don't want to put on your children what your mum in turn put on you Mm. and it was a reflection on the family too my kids were having more meltdowns because I was so miserable um, you know, my, my daughter was more clingy. Um, you know, my husband really didn't want to spend quality time with me anymore because who wants to hang around a banshee, you know? <laughs> you know, my friends weren't calling me up as much. And so that was when I decided I had to make some huge changes. And, you know, I could justify spending $100 on a pair of shoes for my kids or dance lessons or swimming lessons. But I couldn't even justify a $5 T-shirt from Kmart. And so I had to take a step back and I had to, I had to invest in myself. I had to, otherwise I wouldn't, you know, I couldn't be the backbone of my family anymore. Mm. And this was really important for me. So um, I now work with women to find purpose in parenthood. When you were sitting and and having these dark moments and realising that you were sort of at a crossroads at yourself, what actions did you take to go, all right, this is how I'm going to go in this direction because it would be really easy and and let's be honest it's easier to to fall into the sadness to Mm. just to get in that self-pity because it's a bloody hard job and there's a lot going on and and I think a lot of people would very much revert to look woe is me I've got five kids I'm in this whirlwind exactly so what did you do I started off with really small things I mean you can imagine I had no time like mm. literally, I didn't even get to pee by myself. Yeah, <laughs> like, honestly. Well, welcome to motherhood, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started off with really little things. I created a little corner in my house. At that stage, we were at capacity um, with the bedroom situation. I now do have my own room, which is just mine. It's not my bedroom. It's my office slash meditation room. Um, but back then, I started off with a little corner and I bought a really beautiful chair Um, and I picked out some just some little crystals and I didn't know much about crystals back then Um, and I um, bought myself a couple of really nice books um, and I made that my corner and the kids knew if I was sitting in that chair back off (laughs) (laughs) good yes firm rules yeah and it just started with small increments Mm. um, and I started you know um, working with a coach and I started looking at things that I would like to do because I had no idea what my purpose was. Mm. And I really felt so frustrated with it because he, I just wanted, you know, God or the universe just to, Jess, go out and do this to the winner <laughs> and be this for the world and, yep. you know, have one of those aha moments. And for some of us, yes, we do have those aha moments. Um, we have those near-death experiences, you know, some people do. But for a lot of us, we don't. Mm. 
and it's that gradual process and I really believe and this is what I, I teach my um, my clients is that you've got to follow the breadcrumbs it's like in Hansel and Gretel where they followed the breadcrumbs mm. and there might just be like a, a little a little one, but if you follow that, it'll lead to a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one. And so that's sort of what I did. I took notice mm. and I really tried to shift into a space internally and connect with myself again because, to be honest with you, I hated – like I cannot say that enough. I actually hated who I was. Mm. You know, I hated what my body looked like. I didn't, you know, do anything that brought me joy. I wasn't going out and doing exercise anymore. I didn't have time for any of that. And so I really had to go back and connect with my inner self mm. and just tell myself that, you know, I love you. You know, you are worthy. You are beautiful. And look at what you're doing. You know, you're raising five little souls. Yeah. That's got to count for something. Oh, 100%. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, there's so many things that we go through mm. and experience and it's really hard at the time. And I'm sure, again, you can resonate with everything that got you to this point where you're trying to understand what, you know, it, it's almost like that why me moment, but then turning it on its head and going, okay, well, what did this teach me? And that's really powerful because, you know, a lot of times we don't understand it at the time. Now, you obviously now have gone full circle. You've done a lot of work on yourself. You're now helping other mums. How did you get to that point to go, this is my purpose? That is a wonderful question. I decided about a year ago now, I have had this a book lying dormant inside of me. I knew when mum died that... She didn't find purpose in, in life, but I wanted her to find purpose in death. You know, there's some really graphic stuff in there and very personal stuff, and I didn't want to hold back. Mm. And I wrote it so that every woman will know that she does have a purpose in life and that I want that to be my mum's legacy. I want, mm. you know, her existence and, you know, what she went through and then what I suffered and what I went through to be a lesson for all of us mums that, you know, we, we do have purpose in parenthood and that we need to find our sparkle because if we don't find our sparkle and invest in ourselves, then I don't really think that we're setting a good example for our daughters and I don't think that we are honouring ourselves mm. because we are human beings. We are, you know, souls. We, we deserve to be truly happy and when we are truly happy, I don't know about you, but my kids are like, like angels oh it's such a it's so true what they say without a happy mum the family is just not happy and you need mm. to make sure that you remember that it's okay to invest in that happiness in yourself because you're still a person mm. just because you've given birth you know we don't put those expectations on dads mm. to completely change who they are yep so and they don't change much in their lives they still go to work they get away from the kids yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, and, yeah. you know, they, they obviously, it's an evolution for them as yeah. well, but oh, it's, yeah. it's certainly different, and I think yeah. majority of dads would agree. Obviously, yeah. there's circumstances where it's different, yeah. but I guess, you know, there's there's a lot of things that it takes to get to that point where you're mm. able to go, okay, this is what I want and this is what I'm here for. For a mum that's struggling, though, mm. in the midst of I'm not enjoying motherhood, I don't know who I am, feel like I've lost myself, what advice would you give to her? Well, the first thing that I just want to say to her is that you are doing an incredible job. Motherhood is hard. It is really hard. 
Um, and you are worthy, you are enough, and you need to remember that you're a gift. And so my advice to you would be just to start with little things that just reignite that spark and bring you some joy, whether it's, you know, one of my friends loves to crochet. And so she has a four-month-old baby, and that's, that's her thing. She, that brings her so much joy. And so it's just starting with the little things. Mm. And then, you know, if you are really struggling, then it's a good indicator that you are pretty far removed from your blueprint, which is, you know, what your expectations of your life should be for you. And it's time probably to get some, you know, either some professional help or get a coach to, you know, help guide you on this journey because mm. it's not easy. Yep. It's not. I think that there is such massive power in storytelling because mm. it's about, you know, your story is clearly very different to mine. You know, it's polar opposite. But I think there's lots of lessons that everybody can take from mm. along the way. And it's always that reassurance to go, look, what you're going through is normal, even yeah. if it looks different, uh, but you can get to the other side. Yeah. Now, one of the things I am really passionate about is quite similar to you, you know, making sure that you take time for yourself and reconnecting with that person that you were pre-kids and it looks different to everybody, but I like to call it the me before mummy. I love that. I love it. <laughs> so what is it one thing that Jess does to reconnect with herself pre-kids? You're going to laugh. Do you know I, what I've just started doing? What? Pole dancing. Stop it. Oh, my God, I love it. I I'm love that it. for you. Yeah, because, you know, when you've got five kids, you don't exactly feel sexy, um, you know, jumping into me jammies at six. <laughs> you came out jammies. Yeah, yes. Nobody's wearing Victoria's Secret yes, anymore. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so three nights a week, my husband knows that um, I've got those – locked in yeah and um i do a pole dancing class another one is which is still at the same center a mindfulness class yeah um and i do a choreo class so just getting you know getting into the groove and it's so fun i so love it choreo yep. as in like burlesque moves yeah like it is everything stunning. i'm still working on my role yeah. in my body role <laughs> i'm so awkward <laughs> But, I, you know, it's progress and not perfection. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I'm just, I, I'm loving just trying to master the moves. I actually love that. I think that's amazing because yeah. what an awesome way to reconnect with pre-mum because we get so caught up in, you know, what, what the kids want that you forget that you're this person, you know, who used to probably get drunk and twerk on the dance floor, although, you know. Sometimes I still do that. But the point is you're allowed to be that fun person that you once were and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Bringing sexy back. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Bit of JT. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I just am in awe of everything that you've been through and what you've gone through to get to the point you are now. I think a lot of people would have potentially used it as an excuse to sit back and let life take over but taking back that power for yourself is just absolutely incredible i will pop your details of your book and your website and your social media and everything in the show notes so that anybody can connect with you as well um but thank you again jess so much for joining me oh it was such an honor i'm so grateful thank you 
Well, I did highlight at the very beginning that Jess's story sounded like something from a movie script because, my goodness, what an incredible amount of ups and downs that lady has had to get to where she is today. And I think that is probably one of the biggest things that I took away from the conversation is that you just never know what somebody is going through or has gone through. Life is such a journey and sometimes it just throws us off our path completely and we end up in a position where we never thought that we would be. And sometimes it's a reflection of us and our own journey, but sometimes it's impacted by others and those around us. And it's really important to self-reflect and make sure that you're conscious of how everything in your world has impacted where and who you are now and whether it aligns with who you want to be in the future. As Jess touched on, going through a lot forced her to do a lot of self-reflection and a lot of work on herself to figure out who she was and where she wanted to be. And she refused to be defined by everything that had brought her to that point, but she also used it as ammunition to step up and make a change so that things were different for her and her family going forward. As she said, women are so worthy, mothers are so worthy, and we all have purpose in our lives. What that purpose looks like can be different from one mother to another, but it's important to make sure that you carve out that time for yourself and, in Jess's words, find your sparkle. Now, obviously, there are a lot of ways that you can do that. There are a lot of resources available, and if you are struggling or you are suffering, please make sure that you reach out for help. If you would like to follow more of Jess's journey or to gain more information on her book, you can find her over on Instagram at jess.sermac and I'll be sure to put all of her details in the show notes so that you can locate her. Now on to you, my friend. I am going to give you a little bit of homework. If you have not done so already, I urge you to carve out a snippet of time to give back to yourself and the me before mummy. It can be a few minutes or a few hours, just an opportunity to reconnect with that person that you were pre-children and give back to yourself. If you would like to share it with myself and other mamas, you can do so over on social media by using the hashtag TheMeBeforeMummy and tagging myself at MummyRepublic. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.